Hello, and welcome back to Building Wealth on the Go, a podcast by KLT Wealth Management. I'm your host, Brad Wilson. I'm joined by my colleagues, Courtney Beach and Joe Filiomeni. Today is, believe it or not, July 18th, 2022. Today, we are season three, episode 10 of the podcast. And uh, we're very fortunate to have a special guest join us on the podcast today. Uh, We have Joe Sesnick, who is the Vice President of Sales from Lysander Funds, joining us. So we'll do a little bit of a deep dive into Lysander and the world of fixed income in the bond market today with Joe. So Joe, thank you so much for joining us. Great. Thank you so much, Brad. Thank you, Courtney. And thank you, Joe and Adele, for organizing. Much appreciated. Yeah, we're really glad that you could join us today, Um, Joe. So for our listeners, how about we start off with sort of explaining what types of bonds are available and then kind of look at what your group specializes in. Great. Yeah, thanks, Courtney. Um, My gosh, where do we start? I mean, by conservative estimates, the, the world of fixed income um, last last number that I read was about $125 trillion in market capitalization. And these are uh, publicly traded bonds, bonds that trade a- across the globe. And these include governments or sovereign, as well as corporate bonds, which are I- issued by corporations. And then there's a whole host of other bonds that, that don't appear in that number of $125 trillion that I just quoted that are called private bonds. These are um, sometimes it's peer-to-peer lending where uh, a private individual or a group of private individuals will lend to either a private or a public company, and those don't necessarily appear. And so it's a massive market, you know, long story short, it's a massive, massive market and, and can include, you know, municipalities, can include provinces, counties in the United States, governments, federal governments. Um, and then you can get into the world of, like I said, corporate bonds, which is what um, Cancel Investment Council um, specializes in. Yeah, that's uh, great, Joe. Tell us a little bit about the Lysander story, and I'm, I'm particularly interested in the name Lysander and where that came from. And then maybe you can talk a little bit about your unique process in buying and creating bonds. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for that question. Um, well, Lysander as a company has been around for 13 years. We're a privately owned, employee-owned company based in Toronto. Um, we were actually started by the founder of Canso Investment Council, uh, John Carswell, who started the firm Canso, that is, 25 years ago. Um, John was and is a graduate of the Royal Military College out in Kingston and uh, served as a long-range navigator in the um, RCAF and uh, flew uh, a number of planes across, uh, across Canada. So the firm Canso is named after an amphibious plane um, called the Canso plane, oddly enough. And uh, the offshoot of that was naming the sister company, which Lysander is after another World War II plane. Um, the Lysander is, is, is not the most popular plane. I mean, you hear about things like Spitfires and so forth. If you're a aficionado of aircraft and World War II aircraft in particular, but the Lysander was used in covert operations in Europe, um, particularly in France and was used to take uh, spies, uh, that is allied spies behind enemy lines. It's, it's not actually the fastest airplane. It wasn't really used extensively in bombing, was predominantly used in espionage. And the uh, Lysander plane um, was usually painted black so that it would, uh, it would fly at night and obviously go, like I said, behind enemy lines at night so it wouldn't be spotted. Um, its key advantage was that it could take off and land from very short airstrips. And so that actually was a huge benefit for allied um, pilots flying in these spies. Um, so when John Carswell named his first company Canso, he dedicated it to his father who had um, taught pilots who had returned back from World War II how to fly the Canso plane. He named his company back in 1997 Canso Investment Council. And then when 
he was searching for a name for us, the, the sister company, he also dedicated it to a, um, a World War II plane. So we've got a long uh, and storied tradition at Lysander as well as Canso of giving back to veterans causes, for example. And uh, if you are ever in the vicinity of either Gatineau um, up near Ottawa, and Brad, maybe you're familiar with the airplane museum up there, or if you're down Hamilton Way, um, there's a warplane museum down in Hamilton. You can actually see a Canso, uh, a working Canso plane in the Hamilton Museum, and I think there's the, a working Lysander plane up at Gatineau. So, these these projects are funded by citizens and corporations like Lysander and Canso. So we're giving back to the community, giving back to veterans. And yeah, so hopefully that answers your question. I'm not sure I'm doing it justice. Suffice to say, um, these are not popular names. Um, these are not necessarily popular aircraft even, but you know, to, if I'm quoting John Carswell correctly, these were very durable, very reliable airplanes that were actually quite pivotal in uh, helping the Allied war efforts. Joe, why don't you dig a little deeper in terms of the like your process with buying bonds, creating bonds? You guys specialize, you consider yourselves unique in that area. And so maybe you can Absolutely. dwell a little bit on that um, and share with our listeners. Sure, sure. Yeah, great question. Uh, so again, Canso Investment Council are the uh, sub-advisors or the portfolio managers for the Lysander uh, Canso Corporate Value Bond Fund. Canso started 25 years ago, it was started by John Carswell. He is backed today by 54 other individuals who do nothing but research um, the world of corporate bonds. As I was answering uh, Courtney's initial question, just the, the sheer volume and sheer number of bonds that are outstanding in the world, um, you know, lots of bond managers will talk about investing in fixed income as if it's, if it's a single asset class and it's easy for clients to think, well, fixed income are just bonds and but there's so many different variations of bonds. And when John Carswell started Canso, um, he, he decided to focus on a very specific area of bonds and that's corporate bonds. So these are bonds issued by corporations, predominantly corporations. And you know, bond is, is a very simple, all it is is a contract, right? You're a lender to a business. This is how Canso looks at the world. We're lenders to a business. We take your client's money and, and lend it out to companies with the expectation that they will pay us back our principal at maturity and between now and then, we will collect the bond twice a year. Um, and that coupon is supposed to reflect, at least in our opinion, the risk that we're taking on as lenders to a business. So that's one aspect of it. Um, traditionally, you cannot get more than your principal back at maturity. Maybe I'm stating something obvious here, but if you lend somebody $1,000, um, they're going to give you back $1,000 in five years or 10 years or two years or whatever the term of the bond is, plus interest. There are other more complex structures, but for the purposes of you know this podcast, we'll stick to the basics here. So we're lending 100 bucks. We expect to get 100 bucks back in five years or 10 years or whatever the term of the bond is, and we're clipping our coupon. Where a lot of um, portfolio managers get into trouble, I think, is um, not analyzing the documentation that goes along with the bond. So whether you're buying a private bond or something that's not public or a public bond, traditionally there's a, a legal document called a trust indenture or a prospectus, I guess, is another way of putting it, um, that outlines the roles and responsibilities of both the borrower and the lender. That's a legal document that you can take to the court. So if there was ever a dispute um, between yourself and the borrower, for example, um, you could take that to a court, um, presumably, of course, in a country that recognizes these legal documents, and you could argue it out in court. And so this is one of the areas I think that can so uniquely um, rather than simply looking at the world from a macroeconomic perspective, uh, 
um, they are looking at the uh, individual trust indentures or prospectuses of each and every single bond that they are involved in or that they're in the companies that they're lending money to and they're going through the legal documentation and there are loopholes like i said there are roles and responsibilities outlined I, the key driver of why we read these documentations is because in like i said if there was ever a dispute or if a company ran into trouble coming up with the money to pay us our coupon or couldn't come up with the money to pay us back our bond at maturity what recourse do we as lenders to a business have do we have legal recourse to um, equipment do we have legal recourse to ca other cash flows that that business might be generating um, it's very important that you do that as a lender to a business it's not just a handshake and a wink you know trust us we'll pay you back we have to have the legal documentation to back us up so i think that's what you know canso ideally is looking for companies and bonds of companies that are trading at a discount to par and what i mean when i say that is as i said before you're getting a hundred dollars back at maturity and if you can buy that bond for 95 cents on the dollar, that's a 5% capital gain if you hold that bond to maturity. And you can also clip your coupon or, or generate your yield on top of that 5% capital gain. So that's one way that Kansas was looking, I think looks at the world a bit differently than other, other fixed income bond managers. The other area I think I've already talked about once or twice is that they exclusively focus on corporate bonds. So we're not looking necessarily at government of Canada bond, not necessarily looking at um, provincial bonds by Ontario or Alberta, some other provincial jurisdiction, or even municipal bonds, which are issued by you know, jurisdictions all over Canada, you know, Toronto issues these, uh, Montreal, et cetera. So we are looking exclusively at corporate bonds and, and publicly traded companies. Yeah, and you're pretty active too in that you actually um, create a bond and will approach a company when the time is right, um, maybe you can share some stories on that because that's sort of an interesting thing. I think the field that we often think about when we talk about fixed income and specifically bonds is that it's just, you know, buying and selling existing bonds. But at some point in time, someone's got to create this bond. And uh, I guess being pretty proactive in that space uh, definitely gives you some advantage. Yeah, absolutely. There are, you know, the traditional fixed income manager or bond manager is usually waiting for his or her phone call or phone to ring with a call from an investment dealer telling them about a hot new issue from XYZ company and would they like to buy a piece of this new bond issue from XYZ company. The reality today is that um, most bond deals that are getting done are already purchased just or they're they're already spoken for by large institutional investors and so if you're looking to participate in the hot new issue of xyz company expecting a phone call from one of your relationships at the investment banks be it here in canada or elsewhere in the world um, your your phone is probably not going to ring you have to be able to proactively pick up the phone and reach out to contacts and talk to the investment dealers i think to, to your point, Joe, and to your question, you know, Canso has actually also been, you know, taken it a step further and actually approached companies directly to ask them if they would like to participate in creating a bond because companies issue bonds for a variety of reasons, right? I mean, they have a, a profit and loss PL. Um, interest is tax deductible. Generally, that coupon payment that a corporation is paying you as an investor is tax deductible to the corporation. So sometimes it's for tax reasons, sometimes it's because they, um, don't have the cash to be able to make a purchase. They might be looking to purchase another factory or new equipment for that factory, or maybe they're um, buying another company. They have to come up 
Um, and their line of credit may not be sufficient, or there might be other reasons why they would use a line of credit to do that purchase. They might issue a bond because they can amortize that purchase cost over a, a longer period of time. So you know, knowing this information or knowing that companies will issue bonds for a variety of reasons in different currencies, Canso has actually been very active over the last 25 years of their existence of approaching companies directly to structure bonds. And so a good recent example to kind of illustrate what I'm talking about um, Air Canada, you know, during the um, early part of the pandemic, of course, everybody in, in today's world, you know, when they think of Air Canada, and if you've, if you've been to Pearson Airport, or if you know somebody that's flown um, recently, um, there are a lot of horror stories. And, you know, I talked to a lot of people throughout the day, and depending on where you're traveling, you, you might have a great story, or you might have an awful story, but Air Canada seems to be right at the at the epicenter, shall we say, here in Canada, of, of, of the brunt of everyone's frustrations about flying. And so back in the early part of the pandemic, Canso actually approached Air Canada to structure a, a four-year bond with a 9% coupon. And uh, at the time, I, I remember getting calls from clients when they discovered that we were actually structuring a bond directly with Air Canada. The, the comment that I would get back from clients was, well, why would you be lending money to, air, to an airline um, don't you know we're in a global pandemic, Joe? No one is going to go on a plane anytime soon. Why would you lend money to an airline? That's crazy. Well, it turns out that that bond performed exceptionally well, and Air Canada was paying us a 9% coupon. And they actually had the option, which can happen with bonds, they can actually call the bond in early and refinance the coupon at a lower interest rate. This is something that's called a call option. Maybe some of your listeners are familiar with how this works, but generally the gist of it is if interest rates fall, a corporation, if it's written in the trust indenture, reserves the right to call the bond in early and refinance at a lower interest rate, but it doesn't come without a penalty. Right. So in the case of Air Canada, they, they exercised this call option, called the bond after a year. So we, we structured this bond in June of 2020. They called the bond in June of 2021, but they had to pay us a premium. And the premium was rather than calling the bond at 100, they called the bond at 107 to compensate us um, for exercising that call option. What they did was they refinanced that 9% coupon bond and they they lowered the coupon, if you can believe it, from 9% to 4.625. And you might say, wow, that's, that's a, a nice, uh, nice gain for Air Canada. Not so great if you hold the bond as an investor, you now got your coupon reduced from 9% to 4.625. But you know, our view on Air Canada was that still represented a compelling relative value because Canso is a value manager. They're looking for value opportunities. And we continue to hold that bond inside the Lysander Corporate Value Bond Fund. It's, in fact, the largest position in the fund. I can tell you it hasn't been an easy ride for investors of yours and, and, and listeners who are listening to this podcast who own the fund. That bond in particular has fallen in price from um, 100 cents on the dollar to 85 cents on the dollar today, roughly. And you might say, well, gosh, that's, that's a, quite a, a negative ride down of 50 percent on paper. Um, but we still, we still feel very comfortable about lending money to Air Canada because um, in terms of assets and liabilities, we are what's called first lien, meaning there are very few creditors that rank ahead of us. And if Air Canada were to ever default or declare bankruptcy, we would have priority um, on the capital structure. And we would be, um, we think that these bonds, uh, the collateral that was pledged against these bonds is worth more than the outstanding notional value of this bond itself. So we're not too concerned about Air Canada declaring bankruptcy. We know, you know, no pun intended, that they're going through turbulence right now. But there's a small example of 
of how Canso will exercise its expertise and, and, and go to companies directly. Air Canada is one example. I mean, I can go down the list and tell you stories about Apple and Walt Disney and you know, some other large multinational companies, but I think Air Canada is, kind of, is pertinent because it's something that's in the news that everyone would be familiar with. Yeah, no, that's great. And, and you did mention there, you know, with the Air Canada bond being even down, you know, 15 cents on, on, on the dollar there. Um, this year, we've gone through some turbulent times, uh, as you mentioned, and pretty much every asset class has been hit hard this year. Um, and, you know, bonds are typically known as, as a, what more of a safe haven. And um, given that interest rates are quickly rising, and we're in this difficult environment, how is uh, the strategy changed, or what is the strategy with with Lysander and Canso, and how are you looking to mitigate risk during these uh, market conditions? Yeah, great, great million dollar question, Brad. I mean, we, <laughs> you know, if, if you read any of our news newsletters, which are available on on either Lysander uh, Lysanderfunds.com or Canso CansoFunds.com, you can read our newsletters, and you know, our, we're unequivocal. We believe that interest rates will continue to move higher. Um, this is largely in response to central banks wanting to fight inflation, like their stated objective, whether you're talking about the Bank of Canada or the Federal Reserve in the United States, their stated objective is to fight inflation. And so inflation, their inflation target is roughly 2%. And you've got uh, the uh, consumer price index, the US number last week was, I think, in excess of 9%, if I'm not mistaken, and Canada's is, you know, hovering between 7 and 8%. So the difference between a 2% inflation target and 7 or 8 or 9%, you know, that's a minus six or seven percent difference uh, and so we think interest rates will continue to grind higher move higher in response to to the high inflation numbers how are we how are we mitigating the risk to get to your to your question brad and thank you for that we're bottom-up investors and so we're looking for quality companies that can pay us back our money at maturity and and in between now and then we will continue to clip our coupon we are sensitive to the fact that the longer you lend your money to a company or an individual or a government, it doesn't matter who it is, the more risk you're taking on in terms of interest rates, right? So the longer your term of your bond is, the more interest rate sensitivity that's built into that. So we're mindful of that. And what we've done in response to that is, is shorten the duration in the portfolio, shorten the term that we're willing to lend our clients money out to companies. Today, currently, to give you an example of that, it's 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 roughly 1.9 years. Meaning, the if you if we held all the bonds in the portfolio to maturity, it would it would do so in less than two years. So, that's one way that we're mitigating the risk. Can we mitigate interest rate risk completely? The short answer is no, we cannot. Um, but you know, it's our job. We feel that you know to lend money to businesses prudently, to make sure that we're looking at the quality of the businesses that we're lending the money to, and to be very confident that these companies are going to pass back. Even if we go into a recession, whether that's a big R recession or a small R recession, we don't know. But we think that the companies that we've lent money to, we've done so on a prudent basis. And regardless of what the interest rate environment is going to be, we're going to get our money back or our clients' money back at maturity. And so we've been exclusively focused on, on company-specific risk as opposed to the macroeconomic things that most clients would be familiar with. You know, these are the things that dominate the headlines on, you know, Bloomberg television, or if you read report on business and so forth, you know, the financial commentators will fixate on, you know, where interest rates are headed. We try to focus on the, the other part of the equation, which is, you know, are these companies going to be around long enough to pay us our money back? And so the longer out you go, the, the more uncertain the future becomes. And so we want to shorten that horizon, if you will, or shorten that window as much as possible. 
Yeah, no, that's, that's great. And, uh, you know, we, we ask everybody if they've got a crystal ball, but we know that nobody's crystal ball is actually mm. going to come through. So I uh, no, really do appreciate true. all of your, your insight, Joe. And thanks for sharing a little bit about Lysander with us and our listeners today. So again, yeah, thanks for joining us. Really do appreciate it. And um, thank you to everyone who is listening uh, on the podcast. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to us on, leave us a five-star review. And uh, yeah, we'll see you in a month with the next episode of the podcast. So thank you so much. And we'll see you next time. Quintessence Wealth Q Wealth is a partnership that is registered as a portfolio manager, exempt market dealer, and investment fund manager. The portfolio manager registration allows Q Wealth to provide investment advice to its clients. The exempt market dealer registration allows Q Wealth to engage in trading activity. These services are provided by Q Wealth through registered advising representatives and dealing representatives, respectively. Q Wealth is a partnership that is owned by its partners, including KLT Wealth Management. As a client of Q Wealth, you may receive services from both Q Wealth and KLT Wealth Management. Note that individuals from KLT Wealth Management will only provide investment advice and trading advice if they are registered as advising representatives and dealing representatives of Q Wealth, and in providing such services, they will do so on behalf of the Q Wealth only. KLT Wealth Management may, however, provide wealth management services such as financial planning, estate and retirement planning, insurance, group benefits, and others. Q Wealth Partners is a registered trade name of Quintessence Wealth, a re- registered portfolio manager in Alberta, British Columbia, Manitoba, New Brunswick, Newfoundland and Labrador, Nova Scotia, Ontario, Prince Edward Island, Quebec, and Saskatchewan, an investment fund manager in Newfoundland and Labrador, Ontario, and Quebec, and an exempt market dealer in Alberta, British Columbia, Manitoba, New Brunswick, Newfoundland and Labrador, Nova Scotia, Ontario, Quebec, and Saskatchewan. The Ontario Securities Commission, OSC, is the principal regulator for Quintessence Wealth. Please visit www.qwealth.com for more information.